right. Excuse me, I'll put my mic on. I forgot to do that earlier. I do want to say happy birthday to Josh. Yeah, I definitely, definitely appreciate him and all that he does. And, and I could not do this without him. So I know you guys love and appreciate him too. So we hope you have a great birthday, Josh. Is that it? Is it on? There we go. There we go. Sorry about that. All right. All right. So this week, I have been very excited to be uh, in this Abide Journal with you guys, uh, going through that. Uh, you know, I've been just kind of posting some of the things jumping out on me uh, at me as uh, every day as I've been in it. Um, and join the discussion. I'm, I'm excited when you guys start posting and, and, and commenting. I'm, I'm very excited for that. I'd like to see your guys' thoughts on this as well. Um, I was talking to my, my daughter last night, though, because she, she had fallen behind, and I didn't realize it. So she was consistently a day behind. And I, so yesterday I was like, no, 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 don't do that. If you miss a day, don't, don't worry about making that up. Do today's reading. Um, I was telling her because, you know, last week I encouraged you guys to be in prayer for one another uh, as we read this. Be praying for the whole body as they are also reading this, that God will be speaking to them. Because um, that's an amazing thought. That's been encouraging to me as I read this uh, this week. Just the thought that dozens of, of, of believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, are praying for me as I read this word. Um, that's super encouraging, I think super powerful. Um, so definitely if you fall behind, do not worry about it. Because um, I think that's a trick of Satan uh, to, that... I don't know how, about you, but I've started many uh, yearly, you know, read the Bible in a, in a year plan, and I fall a day behind, two days, three days, and eventually the, the idea of catching up becomes so overwhelming that I quit the plan. Uh, and, and one of the best inventions ever in that Bible app was the catch me up button, you know, because it would be, it would, you'd go from like being, oh, you're three or four days behind, and you hit the catch me up button, and it says, oh, you're, you're, you're right on schedule. Today, just do today's reading. Loved that, because like, it, it, it got rid of that, that stress that you fell behind. So definitely don't, don't fall into that trap um, or, or the other t- trap of Satan, which is to make you feel guilty that you missed a day. Um, God's not holding a grudge against you. A long time that was my, uh, I felt that way, that if I missed a day of Bible reading, that somehow God was angry and upset with me and that, and, and that our relationship wasn't okay and I had to like, clean myself up before I came back to him. That is a, a lie of Satan. He's a loving father waiting for you to come back. He, he wants to be in relationship with you. So just pick up today's reading. If you get a chance, you can go back and, and, and pick up the stuff you, you, uh, you've, you missed, but definitely just do today's reading. All right, so we're, this is the second. Today we're going to finish up the abide two part abide um, sermon series, and then next week we're going to pick up in Luke. You know, like we, we didn't finish Luke last last uh, year. We probably won't finish it this year. We're probably going to be in Luke for quite a while, uh, and we that's what we do here uh, on a normal basis is go book by book, verse by verse through the Bible. Uh, and so we're going to be picking up our, our our study in Luke. If you don't have one of these, we have a few extra still, so you can uh, grab one of these after the ser- sermon, uh, so you're ready to follow along with us. Uh, we love to give you guys tools, uh, and so it, you can either study in, in advance of the sermon or yourself, or you can use it as, as a place to take notes during the sermon. But either way, that's a, that's a resource for you um, that you can pick up after the sermon, and, and hopefully you still have yours from last year. All right, so today's text is John chapter 15, verses 7 through 11, the second part of that passage we read last week. Uh, but we're going to start uh, in verse 1 for context. So let's read that together, John chapter 15, verse 1. 
I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Let's pray. Lord God, we need you this morning. We need you every morning, Lord. Uh, But we gather here together as family, uh, uh, brothers and sisters uh, uh, in in Christ, uh, to seek your face, Lord. Uh, and, and, and your word just says that where two or three are gathered together in your name, there you will be, Lord. And so I pray that that is true this morning, that your, your presence it falls mightily in this room and does a great work in us. Um, and I pray that, that these aren't my words coming out, Lord, that you would speak through me. Uh, give, give clarity that these words would just sink deep into our minds and our hearts and, and change us, Lord. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so last week... We covered this idea of abiding in Jesus, right? Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branch. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You are, you are dead. The, the vine is the, is the source of nutrients and life to the branches in the same way that Jesus is our source of life. There is no life to be found outside of Jesus. And so we are called to abide in Jesus. And, then, and, and not only that, Scripture says that it's a mandate that we, that we produce fruit. It's not an option not to produce fruit. Uh, and so the only way to produce fruit is to stay connected to the vine uh, or abide in Jesus. And so last week we, we said, okay, well, what does it look like to abide in Jesus? Uh, and that's what we're going to cover today. Uh, last week we touched on the word, right? And so we're going we're gonna to hit that again. Last week we touched on it. I'm going to try to go a little bit deeper this morning. Uh, and then we're going to continue on. And what does it look like to abide in Jesus? So in verse 3... It says, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. And so this, it always, it begins here, right? So Jesus is saying that his disciples, his, the apostles here, are clean. They are righteous because of the word spoken to him. And that word there is logos, right? And that's the word, that, the Greek word that's used everywhere in, in, when, it's, when it's speaking of Jesus as the word, right? It's, it's his, him revealing himself, who he is. And so they believed Jesus was who he said he was, and therefore they were made righteous. And so the very first step to abiding in Jesus is trust. It's trusting in Jesus. It's believing he is who he says he is. And so this morning I thought thought that maybe it would be great to, to, to take a moment and say, who does Jesus say he is in Scripture, right? He's revealed himself in his word. So what, the, what has he said about himself? John 10.30 says, I and the Father are one. And the Jews picked up stones to stone him. Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from my Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? And the Jews answered him, 
It is not for a good work that we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself out to be God. So Jesus made the claim that he was God. And these Jews, they weren't believing it. They were picking up stones to stone him for blasphemy. So let's see what the apostles thought of Jesus. In Matthew 16, 15, Jesus said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. So they did believe. They believed that Jesus is the Son of God. So Jesus claims to be God. He claims to be the Son of God. And that's the Trinity, Trinity there. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. All one God in three persons. And he also says in John 3.16 that for God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but, everlasting, but have everlasting life. So salvation is found in him, Jesus says. And not only is salvation found in Jesus, does Jesus say, but also in John 14.6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So not only is Jesus saying that I, I have salvation, he's saying I alone have salvation. So, God, so Jesus has revealed himself as, as God, as the Son of God, as the only way to have salvation. So the question is this morning is, do you believe, do you believe that? Do you believe Jesus is who he says he is? And if you've not done, done so and put, and put your faith and trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior and believed him, uh, talk to Pastor Josh and myself this morning. Do not let a moment pass. Make that decision today. But if you have placed your trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior, the trust doesn't stop at salvation. It's not like you have to trust for that and that's it. The trust continues. It trusts that that trust, that belief that in Jesus is the foundation for everything we're going to talk about today and all of our life as Christians. That trust continues. Every day we must, again, anew, trust Jesus, trust his word, trust God's character and his intentions for us and his promises. That trust is, is the, the foundation. Satan wants, wants to, us to doubt. He wants us to doubt God's goodness, his faithfulness, his character. Um, I mean, that, isn't that what we just read in Genesis chapter 1? Uh, what would that be? Chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, where Satan comes as the snake to Adam and Eve. And he, does, he says, did, did God really say? You know, and he, he tries to get us to doubt. He, he said this to, to, to Eve in verse 4. You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good from evil. Satan got them to believe that God lied to them. And, and, and not only did God lie to them, but, but, he, he, but it was a... He got them to doubt his character because he lied to them because he didn't want Adam and Eve to become like him, wise, knowing good from evil. And so don't, don't buy into Satan's lie this morning. I, I'll, like, I don't know what it is, whether it's, it's, it's just COVID or what, but it, it, I feel like it has been hard times. I mean, I feel the struggle, the stress, the, 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 the fight to have joy and peace at, the, at, the, at this time. And I'm, I'm just hearing so many different lives that are struggling with sickness and health issues, a loss of loved ones. I mean, it's just a rough, dark time at the moment. But Jesus says in John 16, 33, in the world, you will have tribulation. You will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Don't, don't doubt God's goodness. Don't believe the lies of Satan. Don't doubt God's character. 
his intentions for you. If you're struggling with that this morning, to, to, to believe that God is good, that he is good for you, um, just know he cares. He, he knows and he cares. The scripture says that he is our, our high priest, and that we have a high priest that is able to sympathize with us. He has been tested in every way that we have, right? Tempted in every way that we have, but without sin. So pray and ask God to help you in your unbelief. He already knows you're struggling. Just pray to God and ask him to help you in your unbelief. Because this, this trusting in him is the foundation. It's the first step to abiding in Jesus. The second thing I want to, where it talks about the word is in verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So God's word, as it abides in us, conforms our will to God's will. And we see that in Romans 8.29 it says that for those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed into the image of his son. This is a guarantee. God is doing this in us. He is conforming us into the image of his son. But Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3.18 that it's a process. He says, and we all with unveiled faces beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image one, from one degree of glory to another. It's a process from one degree of glory to another as we behold the glory of the Lord. And I think that's what happens. As, as we're in God's word, as we're reading daily, he renews our mind and we become more like Christ. We're being conformed into his image, right? So that when we pray, the things that we wish, it says, it says pray whatever you wish here. But as we are conformed to the image of God, that what we wish is what Jesus would wish, right? And so we can ask God with confidence, knowing that he will answer the prayer, it's like in that moment, we're praying on Jesus' behalf. Like Jesus is praying with us. In light of that, I believe that Scripture, I think Scripture has completed its work in us when it prompts us to pray. Right? So I think if you have a quiet time and you, you pick up this and you read a, a passage of Scripture and you're not prompted to pray, I don't think this took root. I don't think what you read sank deep and, 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 and took root in your, in your life. I think Scripture it completes its work in us when it prompts us to pray. And, I, and as, I, as I read through Scripture, I, I see five different categories of prayer, and this is just my way of categorizing it. You might categorize it differently, and that's fine. But one, one is the prayer of repentance. As we come face to face with our own sin, it says that Scripture reveals our own heart. That we, we don't understand our heart, and we're confronted with our sin and convicted, and we and we, we, we play, God, forgive me. We repent of that sin, a sin of repentance. The second prayer, uh, prayer is a prayer of praise. As, we, as we're in his word and we, we recognize his glory, his honor, his love, his power, his majesty, right? We're just beholding our God, and, and, and he just breathtaking. You know, he takes our breath away, and we just praise him for being him, right? God, you are amazing. You, as, as Genesis says, you spoke universes into existence. You know, we look out at his, at his creation, and we see his fingerprints on everything, and we say, wow, God, you are amazing. That is the prayer of praise. And there's the prayer of thanksgiving, right? As we, as we recognize all that God has done for us, as we read about the salvation through Jesus Christ, uh, that he sent his son to die for us, uh, and the scripture says that uh, if, if God already gave us his son, would he hold back any good gift from us? Like God is for us, not against us. And, and he answers our prayer, uh, scripture says. 
And so we take that time to thank God for, for that. We Prayer of thanksgiving. Thank you, God, for answering our prayer, uh, for giving me my job, the wife and the children I have. Uh, a prayer of thanksgiving. And fourth is the prayer of intercession. You know, Scripture tells us to be praying on one another's behalf, that we are to be interceding for the saints, right? And so we pray for healing. Uh, we pray for um, you know, marriages and, and, and uh, the salvation of the lost that we know. We intercede on others' behalf. And last prayer is the prayer of help that for our own sake, that we need help. We need the strength to do what God is calling us to. Uh, pray for our own healing, praying for anxiety and, the, and, the, and for peace and joy in our life. And so as we read these, the scripture, I think the right response to scripture is to prayer, to pray, right? So as it says, if my... Uh, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. In that moment, the, the prayer is going to come out, right? That we're going to have this desire to pray. And we pray whatever it is that we wish because we're being conformed in the image of God and it will be done for you, it says. And that's what we do. As our hearts begin to break for what God's heart breaks for, as we begin to hate the things that God hates, as we begin to love the things that Jesus loves, we begin to pray for the lost, the broken, the hurting, the oppressed, uh, the downtrodden, our brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, so the question this morning is, is how is your prayer life? Are you praying? As, you, as you're reading in his word, are you in prayer? Uh, do you have any dedicated times of prayer? So I, I, my, my encouragement to you this, this week is as you're reading the word of God, pray over it. Uh, as you see you're confronted with your own sin. Pray for, pray for that. As, you're, as God brings other fellow, uh, brothers and sisters to Christ to mind, pray for them. Uh, when, he, when, when, when a lost individual comes to mind, pray for them. Be in prayer as you read the scripture. Because James 5.16 says, The prayer of a righteous person has great power while it is working. There's power in prayer. God answers prayer. third thing I want to draw your attention to is in verse 8. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So we have this guarantee, right? I said last week that as we're in the Word of God, we have, it's the only New Year's resolution that came with a guarantee, that we will bear fruit. And not just some fruit, but much fruit, and that fruit will abide. It will last. It will remain. It's not a temporary uh, fruit. And it says here that, that that fruit does two things. The first is it establishes our testimony, our witness. It proves that we are Jesus' disciples. Um, Luke's, uh, Jesus says in Luke 6.44 that a tree is known by its fruit. He says, don't go looking for figs on a thorn bush, right? Like he said, the, the, a tree is known by its fruit. And the, the scripture says that the, that the fruit of the Spirit, in Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the fruit of the Spirit that would be blooming in our life, right? And in, and in increasing measure. And I, and I think it's not no chance that love comes first in that, right? Because in John 13.35, Jesus says this, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another, right? The mark of a true believer is love. That people would see our love for one another and recognize that's a Christian, that's a Christ follower right there. And all of this is to the glory of God. Matthew 14, I mean, Matthew 5, 14, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. 
Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but they put it on a stand and it gives light to the whole house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. <clears throat> Jesus says that's, that, that is our purpose, right? As a, as a city on a hill cannot be hidden. There's nothing you can do about it. That city's on a hill. It can't be hidden. And he said that and our purpose is to give light. We're like a candle. You don't light a, a, a candle and then put it under something. Why did you light the candle? Like the purpose of the candle is to give light. And that, and that is us. One, we can't hide it, even if we tried. And the purpose is to bring light. So let your light shine. That people would see our good deeds and give glory to our Father in heaven. So as, as, we, as we do this, as we pursue God in his word, he's going to bring this fruit out. And that fruit is going to, is going to establish our testimony, our witness. And it's going to give glory to God. So my question this morning to you is, how is your testimony? When people see you, what do they think of you? Do you have a good reputation? I mean, the scripture does tell us that if the world hated Jesus, it's going to hate us. So if they hate you for being a Christian, that's one thing. But, but otherwise, you know, what, do they, what, do they, do you, what does your testimony say about you? Uh, I had a, not in the place I live now, but a previous place I lived, I had a na- two neighbors. One was not a Christian, one was a Christian. And so in that street, parking was super tight. And they would fight over the parking, right? All the time they would fight over the parking. And I would, I, and I, over time I was trying to witness to this, this unbeliever. And, and I was talking to him one day about, about God. And he's like, well, isn't, isn't that neighbor a, a Christian? And I'm like, well, yeah, he says he is, yeah. And he's like, well, if that's a Christian, I want nothing to do with this. Like, so your testimony's huge. It, it gives honor to glory, glory to God or it, 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 it draws people away from God. Um, what is your testimony saying about you and about God, who God is? So many people, all the only thing they're going to know about God is you. They get to see God through you. And if they don't like what they see, they're not going to, they're not going to pursue any further. So are you helping or hurting the cause of Christ? In verse 9, it says, As the Father has loved me, so I have, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. That's, that's, that's an amazing statement. I, I like to hear that. Like, we, so, it's a, so we get this parallel. Earlier he says, abide in me and I in you. And now he's saying, abide in my love. And abiding in love, that sounds great. You know, we're told to just bask in God's love uh, rem- and remain there. It says, abide. You stay there. Christ, Christ's love is to be at the forefront of your mind. You, you stay there. And that's, that sounds amazing. Until it describes what it looks like, right? Because <laughs> then in verse 10 it says, and no, like, like, nobody else would describe their love like this. So if you love me, you're going to keep my commandments. You're going to do what I told you to do if you love me, right? But that's what Jesus, Jesus says in verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and abide in his love. And he's not the only place he says it. He says elsewhere that if you love me, you will keep my commandments, right? But I want to unpack that for a moment. What does that mean? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Because the Pharisees kept the commandments, right? Outwardly, they did a good job, a fairly good job of keeping God's laws. But what did Jesus say to them? Well, in Matthew 23, 37, Jesus says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within, but within you are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanliness. So you are outwardly, you appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. He said, outwardly, you do a great job of, of keeping these rules and these laws, God's, God's laws. 
but inwardly your heart is, n- is far from God. So it's not that we keep God's commandments and that means we love God. It's that we love God and so keep his commandments. It's different. We're told to, to abide in his love. And I kind of see it like, like almost like, God, like the spotlight of God's love. We're, we're at center right here. And we're told not to step into legalism, right? Legalism is believing that we have to do something ourselves, right? That we earn some measure of righteousness of our own. That we have some part in this. That God's love is not enough. No, we've got to stay centered. But we also got to be careful not to step the other way. And, 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 to, and to say, oh, well, God loves me. I can, and he's forgiven me. I don't do anything to earn my salvation. So I can just keep on sinning. Let's just sin more and more that God's love and grace may be more and more. God is not mocked, Scripture says. He will, you will reap what you sow. Because someone who's doing this is just taking advantage of somebody. He's taking advantage of, of God's love. So legalism, that dependence of God uh, on your own, is, legalism is a dependence upon uh, obedience to God's law for your salvation, right? It, that you feel you have to obey God's law in order to have salvation. But Roman, uh, Paul says in Romans 5, 8, but God shows his love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We weren't even pursuing him, and he died for us. And then Ephesians 2, 8 says, for by grace you have been saved through faith that this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, that no one may boast. It says that we have no part in this. We can't boast. There's nothing that we did to earn it. There's nothing we do to keep it, right? And so we don't have to have obedience in order to have salvation, which then leads people to believe, okay, in what they call antinomianism, which literally means against the law. It means, well, if God's grace is what we're saved by, then I'm freed from having to keep any of God's commandments. You know, but uh, Paul definitely heard that one before, you know, that let's go on sinning that grace may abound. But Romans six, uh, in Romans six, Paul answers that question. He says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin live in it any longer? Right. He said, he said, he said the whole when you ask for forgiveness of sin, uh, you repent of your sin. That's what you're doing. You're recognizing your sin, asking forgiveness and, and turning from it from it. Uh, your old self has been crucified with Christ. You have a new heart, new desires. Uh, the new has come and the old is gone. The scripture says. So how can you remain in that sin any longer? And so the point is that we've got to remain center in Christ's love. Obedience without love is legalism. And love without obedience is antinomianism or a license to sin. You're just taking advantage of God's love. Legalism is, 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 is a lack of trust in God and God's love, feeling that we have to do something on our own. And antinomianism is a lack of, God, of, of, of having a love for God. Like we, we recognize that God loves us, but we just want to take advantage of that love. We want to do what we want to do and, and take advantage of God's love rather than uh, in love respond in obedience. And so as we keep center of Christ's love... We recognize that we are forgiven and we're accepted on the account of God's love shown through Jesus Christ dying on the cross for our sins. And so we don't have to do anything to keep it and to earn it. But as we abide in in his love, the result is obedience, right? Because we love and so therefore we obey. They go hand in hand. Love and obedience go hand in hand. We love and we trust God and therefore we obey. It's our response we, we want to please our Heavenly Father. We want to, to make Him proud. Uh, it's, our, it's our show of love towards Him. So love is not, I mean, obedience is not a drudgery. It's not a, um, 
It's not something that we must muster up. It's, it's, a, it's a response in love that verse 11 says produces joy. He says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. And so he says, for the whole purpose of everything that I've, I've spoken to you right here, Jesus says, is that you may have joy. So if, if, if reading this every day is a burden, it's a, it's a drudgery, like you're, it's just another thing you have to check off your list of things to do that day, you're doing it wrong, right? You're doing it wrong. It's supposed to be a joyous thing, something you get to do as, as an act of love in response to God. And he says two things about this joy. One is that it may be full. And I think that's important because non-Christians uh, on, on this earth experience some measure of joy, right? But it's a temporary joy. It's a partial joy because it's rooted in the gifts of God rather than the, the gift giver himself. Scripture says that all good things come down from the Father above. He is, he is the giver of all good gifts. So all of this creation that we get to enjoy is a gift of God, and we do enjoy it. But it cannot be where, our, where we find our ultimate joy and fulfillment. Because these good gifts, while they are a source of joy, they're temporary and fading. And so if you find your joy in your health or, or your past favorite pastime, sport or hobby, uh, maybe it's, you're finding joy in your friends and family, um, your career, entertainment, like books, movies, TVs, you know, whatever, music, all of that will pass away. Everything in this world is temporary, and so your joy will be temporary. It'll be shallow and incomplete, and ultimately it'll be fragile, a, a, a joy that is fragile. Our joy needs to be rooted in the gift giver himself, because then our joy will be full, lasting, and unshakable, because our God is un, un, everlasting and unshakable in our all in all. So our joy may be full is the purpose. But then he says, though, that my joy may be in you. So he has a joy that he wants you to have. But what's his joy? Christ's joy is rooted in the love of the Father and his obedience to, 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 to God the Father. That's where his joy is rooted. And that's what he, the joy he wants to give us. Is, is, yeah, all these other good things are good and they're, they're fine. But the joy he wants us to have, his joy, is the, is the love of the Father rooted in obedience to, to, to the Father. That's the formula we're given. So are you lacking joy this morning? If so, it, might it be that we are not being obedient to Jesus? We are not keeping his, his commandments? Maybe he's convicted you of some sin and you're just unwilling to let it go. Maybe he's called you to take some step of faith uh, and, 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 to, and to serve in some area and you're just unwilling to do it. Uh, maybe he's telling you to let go of something in your life that's not necessarily a sin, but it's just holding you back from your growth, and you just don't want to do it, and you're holding out. In love, be obedient, and just do the last thing he told you to do. And it will produce joy. That's what he says. It's going to produce joy. As you are obedient to Jesus to keep his commands and to follow after him, it will produce joy. And sometimes I feel like it, it doesn't look like it, Right? Uh, you know, I think back to when I gave up my video games. Like, I really liked those video games. They, that was my main hobby. That was the place I was finding my joy. So the idea of giving up those video games did not sound like it was going to produce joy in my life. But it did. It, it, it produced a deeper joy, a, a, a stronger joy, not a fragile joy. 
So let your obedience produce joy in your life this morning. So let's sum up the takeaways. The foundation for abiding in Christ is trusting Jesus, trusting in who he says he is. So as you read, as you read through this, and, you get, and, you, and God reveals his, his character to us, uh, his intentions for us, trust him. Let that be the foundation of your abiding in him. Second is, is as we read God's word, uh, it's going to conform us into his image, right? And that's exciting because his desires become our desires. And we're going to see prayers answered, right? We're going to, and so we need to be praying. Be praying because God is going to answer prayer. And so, and, and third is we need to fight to abide in Christ that we may establish a testimony that God would bring these fruit out. Because if you, have, if, if you do have a poor testimony, if, if you're, if you're the, the coworker that everyone avoids because you're a jerk and they don't like you, the, 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 the way to fix that is not to make, is to go get a self-help book and try to make yourself a better person, right? It's to pick up God's word and to conform to his image and let the, the fruit of the spirit blossom in your life. It's, it's the Holy Spirit's fruit, not yours. It's the Holy Spirit's. And so get into the word of God. Abide in him. And he will produce that fruit. And he will establish your testimony uh, for the glory of God the Father. And finally, all of this is for our joy. None of this should be a drudgery. Following after God is, is not a I have to. It's I get to. Um, that the, in the last couple years, that's something that God is really placing on my heart is that following after him is exciting. We're on, we're on mission with him. It's an adventure. Like God, God has promised that he'll answer prayer, that he is going to produce fruit in our life, right? He's going to save the lost. He's going to, his kingdom is going to grow. The gates of hell cannot prevail against his church. It's, it's not, this is not a drudgery. This is a, an exciting, joy-filled adventure we're on together as a church family. I'm excited. I'm excited. All week long, I've just been praying. I'm like, God, I'm, I'm excited what you're going to do. This has just been one week. If we can, 52 weeks together in the word of God, praying over one another, lifting one another up in prayer, I am excited what God's going to do in our midst. I hope you are too. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for who you are. You're amazing. And as we're in your word each day, I just see the blessings fresh. I see it all anew every day, Lord, that you are with us. Uh, You've forgiven us of our sins through your son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. cross, And I I just thank you that you're with us and that you promised to to be with us, Lord, to answer our prayer. to, to have, that we have the Holy Spirit that's, that's convicting us and, and, and drawing us to you and, and doing a work in us, teaching us your word. I thank you for this family here, uh, these believers, as we lift one another up in prayer and we bear one another's burdens. I thank you for them, Lord. Uh, and I just, I pray that this joy, Lord, that we find in you, that, that it, 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 it's, it's, a, it's a solid joy. It's not fragile, uh, Lord. It's a lasting joy. And I, and I pray that that would permeate all of our life, that, that this week, I, like, it is a hard time uh, right now in so many lives in this room. Uh, and, and, and I pray, Lord, that the joy that we gain through your word would be unshakable and it would see us through all of the trials in our life. And Lord, I pray that it would, it would, be, it would shine like a beacon, Lord, and that the people in our lives, that whether it be family members or coworkers or neighbors or friends, they would see that light. They'd recognize that it's because we are a Christ follower. 
and that you would be glory, had to have the glory and honor for it, Lord, and that you would grow your kingdom uh, as you save souls. And I ask this, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. So I don't know uh, about you guys. I, I always think of folks in one of two categories. Uh, I hope this is okay. But it's either those that, that find reading the scriptures easy but praying hard, or those that find praying easy and being faithful to the scriptures hard, right? Um, I'm the guy that finds it easier and look forward to reading the scriptures, but I don't do as good a job praying. So I'm hearing that from the Lord through Reese this morning, and I'm wondering if there's others. And even if you're the other way, you're, you're inclined to pray, but it's hard for you to be getting get the scriptures. Um, here's a, a practical word of, of encouragement. What I'm going to start doing uh, from today forward, I think it's going to be a good word. Um, along with our Abba, go to the Psalms. Okay? Go to the Psalms. Psalms are, are short. And read one of the Psalms, but read it in the context of prayer, right? So if you are inclined to read, but you're not inclined to pray, use what you're inclined to do to pray, right? I'm, I'm here in, in Psalm 1, what that sound like? It would say, God, I'm now praying, not just reading. God, make me, uh, make me this man that they're described, who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, who stands not in the way of sinners, so on and so forth. And I'm reading, I'm praying back the words, right? And if you're the other way, and when you start praying, your mind just kind of goes everywhere, and you right? Then use this to root yourself, right? That guide your prayers in your words, so that you're praying back the very words of God, right? We could all benefit from praying back His words. Um, so we're in the Scriptures, and we're praying the Scriptures in accordance with Him. So I encourage you to do that. I'm going to do that. Um, just one one uh, passage or one psalm a day as a prayer back to God that uh, kind of guide me. Maybe it can guide you as well. So if you would stand with me, let's close our service with the doxology. Yeah.